Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and I am joined for our regular monthly update on jobs reports in Canada and the U.S. by the hardest working economist in Canada, Eric Lascelles, Chief Economist, RBC Global Asset Management. Eric, welcome. Hi, Dave. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. And then, and then once again, I'm introducing you as the, the hardest working uh, economist in Canada, and you've just taken a, an extra long weekend over Thanksgiving. And, and, and wearing a pink golf shirt still. So I'm, I'm clearly focused in on the job. And, and, uh, but, but, again, hardworking, hiking and biking all through the uh, Thanksgiving Day weekend. No big turkey for Eric uh, staying lean. Uh, well, maybe. We'll, we'll pretend that's true. That's right. That's I, I used to have people introduce me on the road and make all sorts of big, bold claims, and I never had the heart to say, well, I didn't quite do all those things. But in any event, you, you got it mostly right, Dave. Got it mostly right, and, and, and hey, we're, we're not on video, so uh, no, no one can see it either way. Uh, let's talk about the jobs reports. Uh, U.S. a little disappointing. Canada, really nice. And, and, yep. and what do we take away from them? Yeah, no, that, that is precisely it. And so uh, the U.S. number, the hope, the consensus had been for half a million new jobs. There were just under 200,000 new jobs. So that's a fair size miss. Now, let's keep in mind we're working in this world of kind of wonky, bumpy numbers. And so it's not totally unheard of to miss by several hundred thousand jobs during this, this post-pandemic recovery. Uh, and we'll say this, I mean, I think it's a good enough number. You know, it's, it's enough to reflect the fact that the economy in the U.S. is still growing, albeit at a slower rate than it was. Uh, it, it's enough to pull the unemployment rate down further, which it did, by the way. The U.S. unemployment rate just fell from 5.2 to 4.8%. So let's not call it a disaster. It's just a slower recovery as opposed to a, a faster recovery. Uh, and you know, we, we can see, to, to no one's surprise, we can see that the, the Delta variant has been hurting U.S. growth a bit over the last several months. It was clear in the July, August, and September numbers in various ways. But, but equally, we're, we're still getting job gains. And you know, to be honest, as much as, as the Delta is, is constraining things on some fronts, I would still describe the constraint on the U.S. labor market more as a supply constraint than a demand constraint. Now, it's a bit of both. Let's be clear on that. Yeah, but yeah. nevertheless, it's, it's more supply side. It's more getting people enthusiastic about going back uh, to work. And you can kind of see that in the sense that uh, wage pressures are, are fairly notable right now. They, those have picked up in particular over the last few months. And so the average U.S. hourly wage is up almost 5% over the last year, which, by the way, isn't a crazy number, particularly if you look at where inflation is. But nevertheless, it's a big number by the standards of the last several years. And even just in the last month in September, uh, wage growth was up 0.6% in just that month, which is a, a fair bit. So I guess I, I walk away saying, OK, the U.S. economy not moving as quickly as it was, which, by the way, has been our thesis for a while. We've been saying yes. we expected some deceleration over the second half of the year. We've been saying we think that the, the smart bet for the most part is on a below consensus growth number and for that matter, an above consensus inflation number. And we're, we're kind of getting all those things. And so it doesn't always work out for us like that. But so I'm, I'm not fully happy about that. But I guess I'm content that the forecasts are going right. Uh, uh, and, and then the other, I guess, key question that, that emerges from the U.S. one is here you have a U.S. Federal Reserve that's trying to decide whether to start tapering in the not too distant future, plausibly in November. And so the question is, is this good enough? And you know, Fed Chair Jerome Powell had said that the job numbers would have to be reasonably good to warrant that. And so is this reasonably good? I, I, I think it is. I think it probably is. To my eye, this is still an environment that, that supports the Fed really just delivering a bit less stimulus, not withdrawing stimulus, actually. But uh, I, I think it's, it's reasonable to expect that to proceed as, as well. And I wouldn't want to take too much away from the basic conclusion, which is the labor market recovery is continuing, uh, but there are still 5 million fewer jobs right now than there were 
before the pandemic. So they still have a bit of work left to be done. And that contrasts, interestingly, with Canada, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and so in Canada's case, first of all, it was just a, a better job number. It was 157,000 jobs. And of course, that's fewer new jobs, but it's you know 10 times smaller population. Yeah. So it's, it's quite a gain, actually. Uh, and it was a pretty high quality one, full time, uh, mostly. And of course, Canada's unemployment down as well and so on. Uh, but maybe the, the headline p- bit of news is that Canadian employment is now higher than it was before the pandemic. So uh, U.S. is still five million jobs short of that goal. Canada is already there. Uh, and so you know, let, let's not confuse that with the economy being back to normal because we should have seen more hiring and there have been people born, I guess, more more relevantly, people turned 18 or turned 22 and graduated. And so we, we, sh- we need more jobs than we had almost two years ago. And so I wouldn't say that the recovery is done by any means, but Canada's actually done a little better both in the latest month and also, I guess, more generally in terms of restoring its its labor market. And so that's a, a fairly positive thing. And you know, whereas the U.S. economy has been in deep deceleration mode for the last several months. It's less clear that Canada has been doing that. Canada held up nicely through the summer and now into the early fall. Uh, and, and so I can't promise that persists forever. And of course, we have a Delta variant and, and Canada uh, you know, has suffered a bit from that and should expect to as well. But uh, Canada defying that trend for the most part and actually strictly on a labor market basis, looking looking pretty good in the latest numbers. So, so Eric, is there is there any any concern in the, as, as you say all this, for the Canadian job market, since we're so, so connected to the U.S., uh, you've seen that, that, as you expected, a little bit slower growth in the second half of the year in the U.S. Does that create any concern that, that Canadian job growth is going to slow or stop as we move into 2022? The Canadian economy should slow as well. You know, the, the two are tied at the hip, and it's usually the U.S. driving Canada. So, yeah, Canada can't completely escape that. And, of course, there are common factors. And so as economies look more normal, in this case, as the Canadian job market is back to where it was, it you know, gets harder to add heroic numbers of new jobs every month. So uh, Canada is still very much uh, affected by the theme of decelerating growth across the second half of this year. Maybe the final quarter of this year is now the best way to frame it uh, and, and probably into 2022 as well. So they're not they're not quite as different as they look. And one of the confusing things, by the way, between Canada and the U.S. is here Canada is having fully recovered its lost jobs. The U.S. has fully recovered its lost output, but not its jobs. And Canada hasn't recovered its lost output. So it's this funny world, which like by one measure, each country is back. And by the other measure, they're not. Uh, And which is better really depends on who you're asking in the sense that, you know, from maybe from a stock market perspective, it's nice to get the economy back, you know, an output back to its prior peak. And so that's good uh, for the U.S. uh, And it reflects on maybe good productivity growth and things like this. In Canada, though, like there's certainly something to be said after a crisis for getting the jobs back, too. That's a good thing just in a societal sense, if if maybe a little bit less precisely in a in a stock market sense. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's one that we'll continue to watch as, as, as we come back month to month with you. Uh, let's just uh, very, very briefly uh, get into sort of the hot economic word of the moment, which is stagflation. Not a, uh, not a, not a, a word we've seen bandied around about since uh, the Carter administration, uh, for those of us that remember that. But uh, first of all, could you define stagflation um, and, and not just the straight definition, but but sort of what the concern is when you have stagflation, and then maybe talk about whether this is is something that you're concerned about. Um, and 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 I think I think there's it, it's not a straightforward answer, is it? 
Right. Yeah. There are a few twists and turns to it. Absolutely. And so, yeah, stagflation, it's really two words smooshed into one. So stag is stagnation. It means slow growth, slow economic growth. Deflation, of course, means inflation in this context, high inflation. So it's an environment of slow growth and high inflation. And really, neither of those are very attractive to most investors in the sense that we like our, our growth to be fast. That's where earnings come from and things like that. And generally, we like our inflation at least to be tame, maybe a debate. We don't want it to be negative or something. But nevertheless, you like inflation to be tame. It doesn't doesn't distort as many things, doesn't get in the way, doesn't make central banks raise rates aggressively. So stagflation is or can be kind of the worst of both worlds. And it's one in which, you know, what does a central bank do? They've got slow growth. They've got high inflation. They're not meeting their mandates. Maybe they have to raise rates. So so that is a concern. And uh, you're right. That word has been bandied about. And some people have even accused me of having a stagflationary forecast because we are technically below consensus in our growth forecasts and above consensus in our inflation forecast. So I guess technically we're a bit closer to stagflation than maybe the consensus, but I would still push back for the most part on on that accusation and on that definition, just in the sense that you know, I, might, I might concede the point on the flation side. Like here we are clearly with high inflation. Uh, we're not sure it gets a whole lot worse. We, we think it does go away over time, but it, it's, it's high right now and it's going to be fairly high for a year or two. And so you know, let, let's concede that point, I think, for the moment. Uh, however, I just I don't buy it on the growth side. And so like how, how could you call? We've got a forecast for almost 4% real GDP growth for most of that. That's stagnation. Like, OK, it is versus the sixes and sevens we've just pulled off. But that's more than double anyone's reasonable approximation of a sustainable growth rate. And so I just don't see how you can call that. Like it's slowing growth. Uh, yes, maybe we're below consensus, but it, there's no stagnation when the economy is moving twice its its normal rate. And you can also, if you want to get really uh, scientific on this, you can also say stagflation is usually comes from a very specific source, which is like a negative supply shock. So, for instance, the 1970s. OPEC oil embargo. And so you you cut off the oil, inflation goes up because the price of oil has gone up and the economy gets hurt because oil is really important for a lot of different things. Uh, You look at where we are today and there are some supply shocks. I mean, you you know, there are some factories that are out in in, in China and things like this. And so I won't deny that there's an element of that. But to me, all of the things happening right now are much more a positive demand shock, like the much more powerful reason that we've got supply chain problems and high inflation and all this sort of thing is because there's just there's like a quarter more demand for consumer goods than there normally is. And and so that that's a positive demand shock. And that normally means good growth and high inflation. And actually, I think that's what we have. We have good growth and we have high inflation. And so uh, I, I'm not fully subscribing to the stagflation argument. And I certainly I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we're not there because, of course, that is quite a challenging investing environment. Yeah. And, and, and of course, uh, COVID is still is still there in the background, creating a lot of these issues on the supply front. It's just kind of you know, it's just at like like everything you do now. There's an extra little step in the process to to manage through COVID, and that and so so and and you get that big boost in demand, and and it, it creates some problems, and and ultimately we work through it because uh, and again we, we check in with you as a sort of a amateur virologist slash economist to Eric Lascelles. Uh, we're 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 seeing some the, the numbers on COVID are, are looking are, they're improving, right? Yeah, they, they are. At the global level, they absolutely are. We're seeing declining numbers of infections per day. To our pleasant surprise, to be honest, it's come off yeah. faster than we'd expected. Uh, it's a little more mixed in a Canadian context. Some provinces are still fairly intense right now, though I should say at the national level, the numbers are, if anything, drifting a little lower. And we've now gone far enough that I have to say, I think we've we've seen you know the fact that schools have been open now for quite a while. And so we should be seeing that effect in the numbers. And the weather has been getting, in theory at least, a little cooler for a while. Of course, it's been very warm for much of the country. Uh, and so you know, some of the things that we've been scared about haven't haven't 
come to fruition. I would still say last year around Christmas, there was a big spike in cases as everyone socialized. And so it mm. could be that there's another one. But as it stands right now, there just there isn't the new variant. Uh, there isn't suddenly a grand reopening that's happened in the last few weeks. And so there, there are fewer reasons to think that there should be a sustained spike higher over the coming months. Uh, and of course, vaccination rates get a little bit better. And in theory, children become eligible perhaps in the next month or two. And so, uh, th th I mean, it's possible. I don't think I would commit to this. It's possible that we are experiencing the last major wave, though I don't know that COVID goes completely away. I could be proven completely wrong if there's a new variant that appears. Uh, I could be proven wrong if people abandon all, all levels of, of caution and things like this. But as it stands right now, you think of those prior waves and it was new variants coming on or, 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 or economies substantially more open than prior waves we don't have that right now which is a really profoundly good thing yeah and so uh and and it was a uh, toned down thanksgiving in our household again just making sure and i, and I think in in many places around canada it's a good thing because you get extra turkey that way at three three helpings eric so i i am uh i am very clearly on the inflation side you try and stay thanks. awake Dave, with all that tryptophan absolutely but you kept us awake always a great update eric thanks for joining us and we'll look forward to seeing you next month Thank you. Bye, everybody. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management, Inc. for informational purposes only and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions.